We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, July 30th, first rendition of the Jake and Joe Tuesday version of the podcast on the RotoWire NFL Podcast Network, brought to you by WinBet. Jake, it's finally time for us to uh, re-engage our podcasting chops and get started. I mean, this is something we've done now, I think, for the last three years, four years together. Mm-hmm. Normally, when the season is going on, we're breaking down all the different free agent uh, pickups that you need to make for your teams to start, mm-hmm. though, as we really get into the NFL grind. We're going to be your, I, I, I figure you're like more like a, hey, sh- crap, the fantasy football season's around. Let's yep. go ahead and get ourselves ready, exactly. uh, prepped, and kind of mm-hmm. set to go. That's what we're here for. All the other guys are experts. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, here to get those basic guys set. Yeah, that's been me for the last couple of days. Like, okay, this is real. <laughs> they're, they're doing a draft while we were in Vegas last week. And, uh, and yeah, normally, like you said, it's the waiver wire podcast. We're going to run down by position the top waiver wire ads at each position. And, uh, you know, that's really our expertise. But they say, hey, you got to start six weeks ahead of time. Think up some show topics. So I thought to myself, What's the first thing that I think of when it's time to really like, okay, the offseason's over. I need to start thinking about drafting, you know, obviously doing best ball drafts and that kind of thing. But the first thing I need is a recap of who changed teams and if their stock is up or down. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And hopefully that is uh, helpful. Hopefully there's some re-listen value that a month down the road, if you're thinking, okay, now it's time for my draft, I can go back and get a, and get a catch up on who all changed teams. And yeah, we're just going to go position by position and uh, yeah, do stock up, stock down and, uh, and see where it goes from there. And of course, uh, it wouldn't be a major podcast that we do if there wasn't some sort of breaking news. And I think it's best that we jump into it right away. Cam Maker is done for the season before training camp really even starts, or I guess it was right on training camp, uh, tearing his Achilles. So, I mean, this is going to be a big deal for the Rams. We're going to talk with the Rams more. We mentioned the Matthew Stafford acquisition. But here we are, a top 15 at minimum player, now done for the season, I, I imagine. Hopefully it's not going to happen, but with everything that's going on with the NBA playoffs and a few of these other things, as players readjust to what a normal season might look like, this might not be the end of major injuries to note. So mm-hmm. I think the first thing we have to discuss with the Cam Akers news is what do the Rams do next? Obviously, Akers done yeah. for the year not playing. Is it going to be Daryl Henderson? Is, mm-hmm. is it going to be a guy they acquire off the, uh, off the street? Could we see even more backups going to appear um, in, the, in the case of Xavier Jones 
Uh, yeah. these, there's a lot of different question marks here, and I'm, I'm afraid we don't have many answers at the moment from the Rams. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a number of ways that they can go with this, and I guess to even step back a second, I got to put the MD hat on. Someone I thought it was funny got in the Rotowire mentions or tagged us today, like, oh, torn ACL for for Acres, and then we had to correct him. Oh, nope, it's a it's a torn Achilles, and the response was even worse then, right? Because right. Uh, the situation, I mean, ACL tears are like starting to become seven, eight month things. Achilles injuries until seemingly like the last couple of years have often been career enders. I mean, you see in the NBA, people are starting to come back. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson now is going to try to do that. Um, Achilles, it's not pretty. So this is this is real sad because it's a promising young career. I intended on keeping him at like a $21 price tag out of 200 in a keeper league. And now, uh, now I'm just going to toss him back into the pool because... Who knows what kind of Cam Akers we'll get when we get back. I mean, we'll eventually have some uh, you, you, some dynasty formats. Yeah, you hang on to them there. But, uh, yeah, so now you have to look ahead. And, of course, like you said, Daryl Henderson is the first option for now. Will they go into the season with Daryl Henderson as their uh, number one three-down workhorse back i doubt that i mean right now derek or i keep saying i keep wanting to say derek henry but <laughs> daryl henderson adp 137 he's running back 50 obviously that has changed um he moves up significantly significantly in the rankings here and yeah they're gonna sign someone but you look at who's all out there and there's just not uh there's not a there's not a ton i mean you know do they bring back Todd Gurley, that was kind of a joke we said we, we threw around in the office here. I mean, guys like Le'Veon Bell, Duke Johnson are out there. There's some guys they could pick up off the roster bubble if they were smart. If the Broncos were smart, they'd try to uh they'd try to unload Melvin Gordon, you know, right away. That would seemingly be a logical move. But uh yeah, there might be some teams with a surplus at running backs that are looking to unload, and of course, someone like the Rams needs to get after it here. So do you got any leans on that? Well, we're not even five minutes into our very first podcast in the new season. You're already talking about your crappy keeper league where you're able to just decimate everyone. How How is yeah. this even possible? How, yeah, how, how mean, did this happen? I mean, it was... I, I, I thought the same thing when I was putting the outline, and that was the first thing. I was like, oh, man, my main keeper league, you know, that, that guy's <laughs> toast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to keep, like, $40 guys. I'm going to have to keep, like, Jacobs and, and Ridley or something and come in with, like, less than half my budget toast because Akers was my best bargain. He was dropped somehow in that dynasty league, picked up off the waiver wire for, you know, 21, which is sizable, not cheap, but I figured something keepable if he's ready to have a huge ceiling going into next year. And I mean, he was poised for that career year, and 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 now we don't get to see it. I mean, the Rams kind of uh, <laughs> kind of looking rough this year. I mean, that receiving core is still solid. You know, they they've got some guys on defense. Of course, the best defensive tackle in the league. But you know, as a team, this is uh, this is a pretty big blow, and they're gonna maybe have to set back some of their future in order to get a running back that will keep them competitive this year. You know? What future do the Rams have? They always tend to trade away their picks anyway and still do fine. Okay, yeah. I, do they I have only any fourth-round picks left that they can give for Gordon? Gordon would require <laughs> I, I a don't fourth, know. right? Some of yeah. these other guys you can probably get away for a sixth. And I'd imagine they haven't traded all, away all of their sixths yet, but it, it is the Rams. Who knows? The, the only reason I brought up your, your crappy keeper league is is because I want to push my own agenda. So I've been doing, I'm going to be doing the Yahoo rankings for Rotoware uh, throughout the entire season. Myself and a couple of other colleagues are doing that. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the Acre News, Acres News, my first thought was, crap, I got to go update that right away. So for mm -hmm. me, Acres removed, obviously not playing for the rest of the season. Henderson was in like the 160 to 165 range. He was a little mm -hmm. below Tony Pollard, if you want to like, bookmark that in your head from a like a re, like a, a drafting perspective mm -hmm. i moved him all the way up i believe it's going to be close to the top 100 um like in the 90 range 85 so uh running backs that i would be drafting after henderson right now chase edmonds 
Javante Williams, which we can discuss a little bit more uh, when we get to the Melvin Gordon thing. Melvin Gordon was directly afterwards, and Damien Harris, who was probably about mm-hmm. a round or two lower than that. So pretty sizable jump from Daryl Henderson perspective. I do wonder, and and I've I have an abnormal amount of Rams fans like uh, that are friends. I don't know if you have that unfortunate situation, but I was able to talk to a few of them and it was kind of a, it wasn't a consensus as to what the Rams need to do to replace him. But I heard a lot from, okay, we either need a big burly guy or a pass catching guy, which means Henderson (laughs) can then do one or the other of those roles. It feels a little bit ambiguous to have Henderson be able to do both. Like he could either be the running guy or the pass catching guy, but can't be both. Uh, So I think making like lists of who we can acquire is a little bit harder in that sense because we don't know what the Rams really want to do. Mm-hmm. When Akers, Akers was the most effective towards the end of last season, really when McVay wanted to use him, Akers actually could run a lot of routes. And it wasn't like, oh, here's a screenplay like Derrick Henry does, let him rip mm-hmm. off 20 yards. He was actually running legitimate routes. His average depth of target was about three and a half, whereas Henderson, who had the most catches out of that backfield or close to it, Malcolm Brown kind of did some of that stuff too. His average depth of target, Henderson's, was 0.8. So, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was your yeah. screen okay. guy in particular. So if you say, I want to replace Akers and what he did last season, the first thought that comes to mind for me is Boston Scott. I don't know if the Eagles choose to use Boston Scott the way he could be used. I know they've had to use him in, in past seasons for lack of depth, but you look at that depth chart now. They have Kerryon Johnson, they have Kenny Gain- uh, Gainwell, and they have the the, corp- the corpse of Jordan Howard. Like they have guys that can do X X things for that offense. And I wonder mm-hmm. if you could get a pick out of Boston Scott in the fifth or sixth round, and that would be a good deal or good bargain. I don't know what his contract would look like, but that's mm-hmm. one of the names uh, we had. Alan uh, and Mar kind of a great Twitter exchange. Um, about possible replacements. And I do think Duke Johnson of the free agent guys makes the most sense because he could do the pass catching stuff and Henderson do the running stuff. Uh, but Boston Scott was the one I was like, huh, maybe that, or if you could somehow squeeze Marlon Mack out of the, out of the Colts, I don't think that's a possibility whatsoever, but let's just say Jordan Wilkins has an insane camp. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you just hear about Jordan Wilkins being like, a great uh, RB2 behind Jonathan Taylor and Hines does his pass catching stuff. Well, Max contract is up this year. They didn't really want to pay him last year either. Got lucky with his injury. I think it was the, the knee, the ACL tear. Uh, I could see maybe Mac being moved, but this is one of those situations that I think we're going to have to learn more information as training camp progresses, which helps nobody. I'm just going to say right now, Henderson might get pushed for the fourth or fifth round, and I do not want to go to that price tag mm-hmm. for him because I think uh, his role is way too fluid for that kind of price tag. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason why that price tag is going to go so far up is because you have, you look at the rest of that depth chart, you know, we kind of alluded to earlier, Xavier Jones, he played entirely special teams last year for the Rams. He appeared in 13 games, did not get a single carry. So, and that's who we list as number two on the depth chart right now. And then, and then we have number three, Jake Funk was a, at least he was drafted. He was a seventh round pick, you know, this past year. So, uh, I don't know. There's just not a whole lot there, and they're going to have to figure in that. They're going to have to fill in that missing piece sooner or later, one way or another. So I am not going to market here first. Jake right does not now. want the funk. That, that's, <laughs> I do not want the funk. Jake does no. not want the funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, so anything anything left to add on uh, on Acres? I mean, I think we've pretty much covered it for most ang- angles. We can we can speculate about all these trades and different teams right. that might be looking to unload him, but yeah, I don't think that's going to get us too far right now. And no, I guess I- my bottom line is I'm not. You said fourth, fifth round. I mean, maybe it's not going to go up that much, but I, that just feels like such a huge overpay for me right now that I'm going to stay away from. It's not like the when Spencer Ware went down, we immediately had Kareem Hunt in like the second or third round of redrafts. 
that that's not the same situation, but I think some people might mistake it for it because, hey, Henderson was a third-round draft pick. He's had promise at times. You might want to overreach, especially after the David Montgomery's uh, of the world. Like there, there just isn't a starting caliber guy past the fourth round that you feel really comfortable with. I love Raheem Mostert, but I understand most people don't. And that's like the end of the line when it comes to starters. You're talking about sixth, seventh, eighth round. So yeah, I think Henderson could be pushed to that point. I think it's a mistake to do it at least right now until we get more information for what the Rams want to do. This is a great segue though, into what our main topic is going to be today for uh, breaking down off season transactions, kind of the mm-hmm. rundown of those. It was a little bit of a lame uh, offseason, I think, of some sorts, whether it be from the cap uh, or teams just able to get some of these guys back relatively cheaply. Juju Smith-Schuster comes to example right away. Um, There wasn't a lot of big names that moved. However, the quarterback position obviously was one of the biggest uh, movers of the offseason. So that being said, Matthew Stafford, I think the biggest quarterback name, and we could talk about if Jimmy Garoppolo were to get traded, because obviously the 49ers drafted Trey Lance, that's not what this podcast is. Maybe down the road, we get into some of those rookie guys, but I know Mario and John have done an excellent job breaking all that down. Matthew Stafford, his current ADP is right now 10th among quarterbacks. That sounds about right to me. I think he is like in the range of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Jalen Hurts is being drafted after him, although marginally in NFFC drafts. Um, I love Ryan. I'm sorry. I don't love Ryan Tannehill. I love Joe Burrow. Ryan Tannehill is also in that range. So keep that in mind when we're discussing Matthew Stafford. Um, This now already boils down to another situation where Matthew Stafford could be without a hundred yard rusher. I think there's like six games in the last half dozen years where the Lions, because that's who Stafford was playing for before, actually had a 100-yard rusher when Stafford was playing in a game. That's crazy to me, and it's crazy to me that that curse seems to have carried over to the Rams, at least for this season, too. Yeah, at least when you talk about Matthew Stafford, the receiving, the pass-catching weapons are there. I mean, the receiving core is still solid. Woods, Cup, I don't know, whatever you're getting out of Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson's promising, and Higby at tight end. Um, So those options are there. He's not going to have it at running back. With Stafford, you could also make an argument that the stock goes up because of the offensive line, right? You know, Rotowire's got uh, the Rams offensive line, uh, fair stability, fair health, uh, you know, Whitworth Edwards, Allen, Corbett, Havenstein, um, as number five in the league here. So that's that, that's definitely a step up. I would say overall stock up because you can only go well, – that, that, I guess that, we're going to try to keep that as a theme, stock up, stock down, you know, w- with the movement. And usually a lot of guys, the general fantasy rundown is stock down, right, when you're moving new circumstances, new system, especially for a quarterback. Um, a guy like Stafford, a veteran, tough guy, um, I'm not too worried about, like, the whole new system factor going, going in there. But, you know, he's just – I, I'm not so sure that I would say stock up too much. And I think QB 10 might even be a little bit of an overpay when we come to uh, redraft leagues here. He, the, I like the weapons, but the guy, he's not mobile at all. And that's not going to suddenly change here at 33. And the Rams, I mean, the Rams game, it might, it might actually feel a lot like Lions games. I mean, they probably have a better defense, but he's going to have to do a lot of it with his arm for them to, to move the chains and, and go down. Because you're going to see a lot of second and 10, second and 11 if they can't get this running game together here. So Stafford, well, you know, he's the highest ADP quarterback of the players that moved. Um, I don't see him. I almost put him on the same tier as the next guy we're going to talk about, which uh, I think is Carson Wentz, right? Wow, I mean that's that's bold. I don't. I, that's great segue, but I just want to double back. Like if Stafford throws for forty eight hundred, like forty five hundred to forty eight hundred range, yeah, probably under QB ten. And again, listed got the guys that are drafted around that range: Hertz, Tannehill, Burrow, Ryan, Lawrence. I like Lawrence. I like Burrow. 
I might like Hertz too, more for the rushing factor. NFFC again is different than maybe your standard league where you have six points per passing touchdown. Uh, if you're playing on ESPN or Yahoo or somewhere else, it might be three or four. And that mm-hmm. could be the difference because the yardage is going to be higher for Stafford than most of those guys listed. Uh, but you're right. If they're lacking a rushing option, and it seems like it's for right now, uh, if it's Daryl Henderson, the guy, they will be lacking a bit of a rushing uh, emphasis. I do think there's going to be more of a reliance on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Sean McVay can scheme you know, three or four yards at will, though. I think he's one of the better coaches out there that can do that. So I'll give you that. I, I think it's it's maybe less dire than you might suggest, but it is it is something to monitor though for moving forward. So you're right. Let's move over to Carson Wentz. Uh, his ADP among quarterbacks right now, uh, QB 17. Again, this is for NFFC formats. It might be different yes. for those I, uh, I, I best balls to, out I wanted there. I to clarify because we just kind of slipped an NFFC in there. I personally think that that's the best ADP source that you can be using, yeah. and you can adjust it on their website to be able to uh, to, to narrow the range here. If you want to get you know ADP for the last couple days with the Henderson news factored in, you can do that here. But yeah, the National Fantasy Football Championship, uh, good, good friends and partners with RotoWire, and, and yeah, I think that I mean they're all paid pretty high stakes leagues, right? So people have that's the thing. People have a bunch of skin in the game here when they're trying to. Uh, you know, when they're trying to make these picks. So they're going to at least, you know, make educated what they feel like as opposed to, I'm going to do 100 mock drafts on a free site and that's all going to go in ADP, you know? So that's the one that we're going to use. I just want to clear that up. Yeah, we're, we're obviously great partners with Underdog as well and a few of these other best ball formats. And they're great too. And we'll probably talk about them more as we do these podcasts. But at least for today, for the for the ADP purposes, NFFC with the stakes that are on the line, I think in those formats mm-hmm. and those leagues makes complete sense. So yeah, Carson Wentz list at QB17, um, you mentioned in our rundown, I agree with you, fresh start for Carson Wentz after his flame out with the Eagles, Jalen hurts, obviously mm-hmm. kind of came on strong towards the end for them. Uh, it's a reuniting of Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, which I think is the biggest pull right now. Um, and, and a reason why you might have some optimism for him. You have to remember there was Carson Wentz was more or less going to be the MVP before he tore his ACL. That to me felt like a lock. And since that point forward, we've just kind of seen him fall apart. And we don't know if it's a mental standpoint. We don't know if there's a physical part of it to it. You watch Carson Wentz play. There's some jitters. Uh, I think there's, well, there's an abundance of lack of confidence either in himself or in his team. Does that change now with the comfort of Frank Reich? I'm not sure. What, What say you, Jake? I, I think it will, actually. I think this is the perfect reset for him, the perfect stage of his career. I mean, the guy's only 28 years old, right? And, again, he's got that comfort level. We forget Frank Reich, last year, uh, you know, Philip Rivers was revitalized at, at 39. 68% completed passes was the third best of Rivers' career. 4,100 yards, 24 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He's 39. Wentz is 28. I actually like Wentz a lot. I like, uh, I like. I mean, the wide receiver group doesn't, pop out a ton on paper but you know from last year's show i was a big fan of michael Pittman's future of course yes. he's got a deep flat he's got a deep threat in ty hilton and serviceable guys like paris campbell zach pascal jack doyle mo Ali cox those are guys that can go up and get it in the red zone and also help move the chains and then you know jonathan taylor marlon mack even you know naheem naheem hines is around so they're deep at every single position here now the one one concern, if I had to kind of make up, come with a concern, is that a lot of the reports, uh, I mean, one that say Wentz is looking mobile and looking good, so that's encouraging, but a lot of reports say that they're going to kind of go to quick short throws a lot in the offense this year. So I don't think that is necessarily fantasy kryptonite, but uh, it's the one knock otherwise. And yeah, I was surprised that 
you know, Wentz was this far down outside of QB1 territory. I like to punt quarterbacks, and in some of my leagues, especially my hometown league is one of them that I think about, people like to overdraft quarterbacks. Some people are drafting two in the, in the first eight rounds. If I leave a draft with Carson Wentz as my QB1 and load it up on skill players early, I wouldn't feel terrible about it completely. I, I I feel like there's some recency bias after what happened in Philly, after those horrible circumstances, and this is kind of a buy low opportunity, and, and I'm gonna probably go after him and target him. I just remember like we get the early, I get the early versions of the draft software, which is all live on RotoWire right now. If you want to try some mock drafts, um, I get the early versions, and I and I'm doing mocks just thinking, you know, maybe not with a ton of research when I'm doing these in April trying to test the product out. I ended up with Carson Wentz on so many teams, and I don't know, maybe it's his name. Maybe it's the number two overall draft pick. Maybe I can think he can get some of that old magic. But with Philly, that receiving core was just hurt, injured, over and over and over again. He didn't, I mean, he had a little bit of rigor last year. Zach Ertz was hurt for most of last year. You know, you were going so far down the depth charts just to find guys to throw to, and now he goes to a team, you know, with with a pretty strong set of weapons, a new coach that, like you said, he's comfortable with, and uh, I think he'll be... I think he'll be good. He'll have a good season. I'm going to say that right now. You know, maybe once I dive more into the QB specific pool, I'll find a handful of guys that like more. But I'll find myself coming away with Wentz as uh, as QB two, maybe even QB one in a lot of drafts for me. All I hear is just Travis Fulgham. Uh, you're just dominating. Like you're you're dunking on him right now. I, how how could you do that <laughs> to Packers legend and Eagles le- legend Travis Fulgham? Come on now. No, I, mean, I, I agree. Pretty short lived, right? I mean, he had a couple <laughs> good weeks, and then we probably talked about him and overhyped him on the waiver wire. And then uh, I don't know what is. It, I didn't. Travis I didn't Fulgham? rank him among 350 players. Uh, no, after, which I after his week nine buy, so. he, he never had more than five PPR points. Travis Fulgham, so. I think I'm going to, I'm going to leave that and have that make my point here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm a little less optimistic than you. You talk about stock up, stock down. I feel like your major stock up and by default, yes, because Carson once was a, what bottom three, four quarterback of in the NFL, all of last season and for parts of the mm-hmm. prior season too. So yeah, by de- by default, he's going to be a little bit higher. I don't know, QB 17, you look at the QBs around that range, at least from NFFC purposes, you have Daniel Jones a little below that, uh, Tua Dagobaloa below that, Ben Roethlisberger, Justin Fields. Yeah, I'll take Carson Wentz over all those guys, but Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Ryan, I love all four of those. Well, maybe not Cousins, but I love at least three of those exponentially more than Carson Wentz. And it's probably a situation where if I'm in a, in a normal standard league, which would generally amount to two quarterbacks, I'm going to have at least two of those first 16 guys mentioned mm-hmm. where I will never need to go to Carson Wentz, nor will I have yeah. any desire to kind of wait uh, yeah. and plan my roster accordingly. Yeah. Just, for just looking Wentz at the rankings. Yeah. Looking at the rankings right now, I think I'd put Wentz above cousins, Ryan and Lawrence, but below Mayfield, if I was doing it personally, just kind of a first glance look. Below Mayfield, interesting. With the new with the Odell Beckham reemergence, I think Baker Mayfield. I think I think the Browns uh, are going to be. No, I mean like Wentz is out of all those guys you said. Wentz is the only guy that I put, or Mayfield's the only guy I put above him, is what I'm trying oh, to say. I oh, like oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, interesting. Let's move on. Uh, a couple of these, I don't know. I don't want to say lesser because that's a disrespect to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who mm-hmm. likely is going to be the starter for your Washington football team. Uh, he is at ADP QB twenty five range right now. And I think that's probably underselling. For me, that's a, a pretty high stock up. I, I think he could do better than that. Now, mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of best ball drafts, as I know many people have in the industry. There's few legitimate like redraft leagues that are happening right now. The Scott Fishbowl, 
Um, I know we've talked about these airwaves quite a bit, so that, that's a little bit different situation. But Fitzpatrick, to me, look at what Washington has what Washington has done this offseason to retool uh, the pass catchers that they have. Curtis Samuel now back, or I'm sorry, signed to Washington. You have uh, Gibson and McKissick. That combo is kind of nice too. Terry McLaurin, uh, his scary Terry, his emergence too. I love that quite a bit, and the offensive line has gotten a little bit better for Washington too. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. should he stay healthy is one of those sneaky if you if you are playing in a two QB league, no one wants to draft him, but he will absolutely produce QB two valuable value mm-hmm. for your team throughout the season. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I would say probably stock up here because he wasn't, you know, he's not gonna get I don't think he's gonna get pushed by anybody else on Washington as much as he got pushed by Tua and you know even the even replaced at one point here. QB twenty five, I think that's perfect. QB two um for all the reasons you said, I mean, they, they added, they got better with Curtis Samuel, both their backs, Gibson and McKissick, and Curtis Samuel, if you count him, they're all capable pass catchers. I've seen a ton of Logan Thomas hype all over the place. People are liking him to sneak into the tight end rankings here. We have the Washington offensive line ranked 13, so respectable, above average. And, um, yeah, all the I mean, all the things, all in all, I would say stock up for Fitzmagic here. But um, in the end, QB 25, He's a guy that we're going to talk about in the streamer section of our waiver wire podcast a whole lot. You know, when you've got a QB two that's not that's not necessarily QB fourteen and he's down at QB twenty five, he becomes expendable when you have to make tough roster decisions here when he goes up against really tough matchups. So he'll be on and off plenty of rosters of mine all year. But of course, like you said, two quarterback leagues, he starts to become very relevant. A couple of smaller additions, Adam Humphreys. I'm not sure if anyone's really following Adam Humphrey's career. He joined that team. I think he's actually a pretty good slot receiver if yeah. they go that route. And I love from a dynasty perspective, Mario talks a lot about the wide receiver from the Vikings, who I, I'm going to keep saying his name wrong because I'm not going to go that direction. But I, I do think uh, Diami Brown, who was drafted, I think, in the day two of it, I think he's going to be a, a talented guy if they opt to go that route. Yeah, 82nd overall, so the third round pick. I think he could be an interesting option for them at six foot one, a little bit of a speed threat. Um, not obviously to the extent of Terry McLaurin, but I do think his game really works well with Ryan Fitzpatrick for whatever that means. And we know Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't going to be a long-term option for them as a starter, but I think this season as Washington continues to pursue their playoff aspirations, he's going to be a guy to monitor. Let's move over to Sam Darnold, obviously traded from the Jets to the Panthers um, in that kind of weird swap where then Teddy Bridgewater was sent to the Broncos shortly after. Uh, I I think this is a big stock up for Darnold as well. If for no other reason than A, he's moving away from Adam Gase, and two, he's moving away from the stick of the Jets. I I think the expectations Mm -hmm. for Sam Darnold are so low that the bar that he can jump over is pretty minimal, and I think he could be a serviceable guy. I've been of the opinion now for a while, Darnold is a talented player and was put in a really bad situation, uh, much like what I think Zach Wilson is going to be put into right now with the Jets. And I'm, I'm happy for him, and I think this is going to be a good deal from a fantasy perspective. Am I going to be drafting him? No. He's currently QB 80, or sorry, QB 28. QB, yeah. Uh, yeah, 82 would be kind of drastic. Uh, QB 28. But he does have a better line. He has Christian McCaffrey. Um, they still have a couple of those weapons as well uh, for a pass catching perspective for the Panthers. I think Darnold is going to do better than most people would expect, given how bad he stunk it up with the Jets. Yeah, Darnold kind of leads this tier of guys we can run through relatively quickly because we do want to get to some of the skill positions here. But I, I agree with you for a lot of the same reasons. You're away from Gase and the Jets. That's an automatic stock up no matter what. QB 28, okay. Um, I don't know. And then, of course, McCaffrey, huge reason. I mean, you can dump off to him. Hopefully he's healthy all year wrong. So it's a stock up. But in the end, he's another name that's going to come up with our streamers a whole lot during our waiver wire show that's going to happen during the year. So um, 
anyone moves away from the Jets, it's stock up here. I think that's a per- <laughs> it, it. I mean, that's the whole point. This is a conversation. I don't have much to add beyond that. Um, you know, it is what it is, and and he'll be a he'll be a viable streamer at a little bit. I remember last year during our show, I was like, every year I got one quarterback who is actually bad, but I think might be good. And uh, Mitchell my, Trubisky. My, yes, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's gone away forever. Darnold <laughs> was my guy last year, and I'm not ready to give up on that. I think that you know, I'm still feeling some of that draft day hype, you know, uh, from way, way back when, and 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 some of the some of that I don't know luster that had him coming out of college as an early pick. I think he can rebound uh, significantly. I'm with you right there. Um, when we talk about stock down, though, I do think it's Jared Goff who was a part of that Matthew Stafford deal, goes to the Lions. The Lions are going to be, if the Texans weren't an NFL franchise, the Lions are the worst franchise in the NFL right now. And I don't think there's any case to be made, in my opinion, that's going to change it otherwise. I think they are the 31st worst team in the league right now. And and Goff being the signal caller doesn't help things much uh, to change that. They have next to zero pass catchers. Now, I did rank Tyrell Williams pretty high, way higher than I imagine most of my colleagues are going to when those rankings come live. I think Tyrell mm-hmm. Williams is going to actually do really, really well. Uh, and Brashad Perriman, who was another acquisition yep. for the Lions too, is going to be slotting over on that other side. Mm-hmm. But neither of those guys are tremendous assets from from like a offensive perspective. You're not really going to have to be worried about either of them. I think Tyrell Williams is going to decimate mm-hmm. Kevin King. I, was I can say, write that always, down right now. <laughs> you've always been a Tyrell Williams guy for, since your days as the Chargers beat. Yes. So, so I'll, I'll give you that there. But, um, I mean, they lose Kenny Galladay. They lose Marvin Jones. So not only does he go to a, a horrible franchise with a, I would say, downgraded offensive line for sure, the, the weapons that were previously at this franchise have all disappeared. I mean, yes, you've got DeAndre Swift, and maybe we can talk about second-year players in a future show or something like that. I think Swift is going to have just a, a fine year because he's versatile enough to uh, not necessarily be you know game flow proof, but I think he'll catch, catch enough passes when they're far behind to do this. But we never really thought that highly of Goff to begin with, and you know he had that contract which led to this crazy trade and all these pick swaps. Right. Um, I mean, he wasn't that great to begin with. He was barely QB2 with the Rams, probably fell into streaming territory. Now he's going to stay undrafted in the vast, vast majority of leagues. He might even stay undrafted in some best ball leagues uh, where the rosters go deeper. That wouldn't surprise me at all because it is a major stock down. I don't have anything uh, else on that. Yeah. And then two backup QBs right now, or at least it seems to be Teddy Bridgewater. Again, I referenced that earlier. Going to be in a pretty tight QB battle with Drew Locke, although if you talk or listen or read any of the comments from the pass catchers from the Broncos, it's a pretty one-sided debate. Like Drew Locke is going to be the starter. They're doing the whole, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater can throw a really accurate pass. That like It's all those type of comments where Locke really has the ball spinning out of his hands. He throws it uh, on a rope. It's, it, I mean, it's as blatant disrespect as you could possibly get to the quarterback. Yeah. So Bridgewater, I think. I mean, we're not even in camp camp yet. So we're barely. We're Bridgewater just getting cleared there, back you know? up, right? I mean, mm-hmm. clear backup to Drew Locke, who Drew Locke is not very good either. And then Andy Dalton, uh, who signed on and was very notoriously QB1 for the Bears, only for them to draft Justin Fields. And I think Fields is going to be light years better. From the Bears' perspective, I'm not sure they're competing for anything other than a wild card spot anyway. So why not give your rookie a chance to compete? Uh, and that's, that's where I think Justin Fields. And the majority seem to agree. Justin Fields, again, his ADP is QB22 uh, in NFFC formats. Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr, Ryan Fitzpatrick after Fields. I think that's pretty aggressive for a guy that had some, I thought had some major lumps at Ohio State. Uh, But he's an athlete, and I think an athlete's going to win out over Andy Dalton. 
That's fair, yes. right? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. These guys are kind of like, I, I don't know, the Bridgewater Dalton, I kind of put them in the honorable mentions category, right? I kind of have a few of those guys at the end that we can just kind of tear through um, because, yeah, they're probably not going to be super fantasy relevant at, at, at any point this year, either of them, really, now that I think about it. I'll go ahead and make that statement and feel comfortable about it. <laughs> wow, you're, you're really taking a big leap on this one, Jake. Good job. Yep. I know. I mean, <laughs> someone's got to get hurt. That's the only way. You know, you, you don't really bet on injuries. I'm just saying it like it is here. Yeah. I agree with you. Before we move over to the running back portion of the transaction spot, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsors, uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is your home for the most entertaining sports gambling content. Sean Green and Ryan Kramer host the flagship sports gambling podcast, getting you ready to make some money in the NFL, where they picked every game against the spread since 2011. SGPN has also covered you with the college football experience and the college football experience is a preview episode dedicated to every one of the 130 college football teams. SGPN also covers fantasy football, MLB, golf, MMA, NHL, NBA, and more. If you can bet on it, they cover it. If the free picks and podcasts weren't enough, they're also giving out a free shot to win $100,000 during NFL Week 1. That's right, a free roll for a chance to win $100,000 exclusively on their new SGPN app. Download the SGPN app in the App Store or Google Play Store for tons of free picks, free podcasts, and free prizes. Remember, SGPN doesn't sell picks, they make them. All right, let's move over to the uh, running backs here. It was a little bit less, right? We talked about quarterbacks having kind of a big trans, uh, transaction offseason. Running backs, I thought, got destroyed. I mean, Mike Davis is one of the top guys right now. His ADP among running backs is 29 at the moment, 72 overall. That was close to where I had. I think I had Davis a little bit lower. But he's about the only guy that seems to be a legitimate starter of anyone that signed this offseason. He moved from the Panthers, obviously, to the Falcons, staying in the NFC South. A two-year, $5.5 million commitment more or less screams starter running back money, at least at, at this juncture, uh, at, at this point in the NFL season, like where yep. we are right now. But I'm not really enthused by him. And obviously they also signed Cordell Patterson too. I think to be more of a pass catcher, I think the Falcons offense is going to be kind of weird overall, Yeah, uh, yeah. just in general. I'm a little bit indifferent on this one. I mean, 72 overall ADP, you'll I don't know. You can maybe pay it for RB3. Um, it's going to be one of those take it or leave it things where I'm not reaching to go get him, but if he falls enough, I'm fine getting him. I He pretty much uh, he saved one of my seasons when McCaffrey went down last year. He was such a good pass catcher out of the backfield, and Matt Ryan has had guys in the past that he's gone to out of the backfield that can make plays. Uh, I mean, why not Mike Davis at 28 years old? I think he still has something left. I'm not worried about the competition. You alluded to Cordero Patterson, and then after that on the depth chart, what we've got Quadre Allison, who is, uh, I probably butchered that name, but fifth-round draft pick in 2019, um, has 23 career rushing attempts, only 11 career games. So um, just the sheer lack of uh, competition here is what um, is, makes me think that all, the volume is going to be there. Could he get 1,000 snaps? Who knows? Maybe. Um, so and then, and then, of course, like you said, the Atlanta offense loses a big weapon in Julio Jones kind of preview for the receiver section of our uh, our show where we'll go over that. But, uh, yeah, the way Matt Ryan has thrown running backs in the past, I think he's a pretty safe bet to get, I don't know, 40, 50 catches. And 1,000 yards will be tough because I think they're going to be a team that trails quite a bit over the course of the season. But I can very much see why out of all the running backs that moved and changed, changed teams, he's going to be the highest drafted fantasy guy. Yeah, and I mean, he's kind of got a guaranteed workload at the moment. We haven't projected um, for somewhere in the range of like 379 receiving yards, which is only six more than what he got with the Panthers. So I, I would imagine, listen, the guys that do the rankings think he's going to be splitting time. And I think there's a fair question to be made about that. We talked about all the guys that the Rams could go ahead and acquire. 
I think the same thing could be said for the Falcons. Now, they are financially cash-strapped. That's why they ended up moving Julio mm-hmm. Jones. We think, for the most part, they're tanking, although why do they keep Matt Ryan? Yeah. not. Um, that's a different question altogether. Yeah, well, so that's my thing. Like, invest- how much are they going to give up? Are they really going right. to try try to go in this year? You know, maybe if they yeah. get an, a good early start, but... Uh, how I many assets do you really want to invest? Like a James yeah. Robinson, you don't want to go ahead and trade for him. And I think even a Melvin Gordon might acquire a higher pick than what the Falcons could do. But there are some names out in the free agency wire, and I think especially on cutdown day, like a Sonny Michelle perhaps, that really fits the mold, I think, for a guy that can at least do similar stuff to Mike Davis. So people are drafting him again higher than they might want to, thinking, I have a starting running back for the Falcons. Uh, they might be a bad team, but at least you can get a lot of playing time. I think slow your roll a little bit on that. Uh, let's see how training camp progresses and we might get more information for how much the Falcons really do like Mike Davis. Cause I don't know if we have that uh, kind of lockdown at the moment. So yeah. we're cool with moving to Kenny and Drake. Yeah, let's go ahead and keep it moving. Okay. So Kenny and Drake, obviously moving from the Cardinals to the Raiders running back 34 right now, obvious backup behind Josh Jacobs. But from what I've seen and Mario and John have talked about this plenty on the Thursday edition of the podcast, it's really hindered Josh Jacobs's ADP value. And I think people are overestimating what Kenyon Drake is going to do just because he got a relatively ginormous contract. That's more because Gruden and Mayock are just stupid and not so much that they have, I think, have any idea that uh, Drake is like this all-star caliber guy. Yeah. Yes, Two years, Jacobs 11 million for Drake when Davis yeah. got two and 5.5 million. So I know it's all about guaranteed money in the NFL, but on the surface, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a cap casualty next season somehow. I wouldn't either. And, and it goes mm-hmm. back to your point, or I guess the point I was making, where Drake just a little bit of an overpay, but I think we're drafting based on that overpay, and it's, that's the wrong call. Maybe if Jacobs goes down, Ken Drake can do more of like the three-down work capabilities. But to me, he's the pass catcher of that group, which really hurts Jalen Ricard, um, who is like, I think has fallen completely out of the favor now with the Raiders altogether and could be an option for the Raider, uh, the Rams if they really wanted to go ahead and get a pass catcher. I don't know. What's what's your read on Kenny Drake right now? Are you at all interested in him as a kind of a high-end backup like an Alexander Madison type? Uh, see, yeah, I would. I guess you can maybe – when you say Alexander Madison, I guess I'd rather have Drake here, but it, it's closer than one would think. I mean, he was ran out of town in Miami, right, and then he goes to Arizona for an apparent you know, revitalization, but he was really a huge boomer bust player in Arizona. I mean, he had games at 28 and 24 PPR points, but he had his fair share of single-digit PPR points over there as well. And I feel like the way that the Raiders want to run the run their offense is going to be a lot of power run with Josh Jacobs. Now, has Jacobs had his fair share of injuries over his first his short time in the league? Yeah, of course he has. And, and you could maybe see a Drake game or two, but I don't know if, uh, I mean, she's, I don't know if I could see using the sixth, seventh round pick on somebody like Drake, uh, because I just don't think that he's going to be, I mean, I almost put him in a similar vein as like Latavius Murray, maybe last year or something like that. He's, okay. He's yeah. just, uh, I just don't get that excited about him because I do think Jacobs is, he's the younger, he's the better player. And as long as Jacobs can manage the workload they give him, that just doesn't leave a whole lot left for Drake. Yeah. I think you have to enter with an expectation of I'm drafting a backup that could be great, right? Everyone does this with Tony Pollard. Uh, that may or may not be a strategy you want to do. I don't really care. Fine. Like, okay, I'll get a backup like Tony Pollard or Alexander Madison. I think Kenyon Drake fits into that mold too. And he has a bit more pedigree, which makes people, I think, overdraft him. But if you're able to get him as a top-end backup, fine. If you're drafting him, like, he's going to be a really good compliment to Josh Jacobs. And it could be like a uh, AFC West version of what the Browns do with Chubb and Hunt. Well, then you're just, you're, you're all sorts of wrong. And I want to play in your league because I, 
I'm going to dominate. Like that's, that's not the right mm-hmm. mentality that you need to be having with Kenyon Drake, despite what they paid for him. So it seems like we're both in the same, same wavelength with him stock down, obviously, whereas Mike Davis pretty high stock up and then stock down mm-hmm. for Kenyon Drake. I'm, I'm really curious- the only running back. We're going to talk about that has stock up is Davis really, because if you're changing teams in your late twenties as a running back, your situation, I mean, you're, you're almost always going from a workhorse to a, a situation where you're going to have to split time at best. And you're going to see that theme throughout our running back section here. That's fair. I was actually going to say, I'm a little bit curious to hear your opinion on the Philip Lindsay move. Obviously, Philip Lindsay moved uh, or cha- changed teams from the Broncos to the Texans. Texans also acquired Mark Ingram as well in the offseason, although nobody cares about that, and nor should they. Um, last Mark Ingram note says he has a, at least a slight chance to be on the wrong side of the roster bubble. I mean, a veteran only a slight like him, chance. There's no yeah. reason Mark Ingram should be in a team. I, it's yeah. they're they literally signed Mark Ingram just to be the the mm-hmm. rah rah veteran guy to change that leadership around, and, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I mean, again, yeah, the Lions are the second gone, worst team because yeah. the Texans are an NFL franchise, although barely. Mm-hmm. That's not the point, though. Philip Lindsay, I think, actually could be a decent high end backup uh, because we know David Johnson has his injury concerns as well. Now, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson in his situation? I think complicates everything with the Texans offense and that's where I just don't want to I don't want to really get into it too much but if we have some understanding or know, know what's going to go down then I think we can make an accurate uh an accurate guess on Philip Lindsay's status so to me that's that's the bigger deal that I think Philip Lindsay I like him as a backup because I think David Johnson obviously is injury prone we all think that at this point in in his career but we need to have David Johnson out of the picture for Philip Lindsay to be a possible 800 900 yard rushing guy like he was with the Broncos yeah, I mean, that's pretty much exactly it here. We have uh, Johnson projected for 725 yards right now. You know, I, I see that maybe a little bit on the conservative end, but then at the same time, uh, he only played 12 games last year, 13 games the year before, the two seasons before that, you know, was his big injury season here. And he's 29 years old. He's getting to be pretty close to over the hill from running back years. Um so I don't actually I don't mind the Philip Lindsay ADP price, but you know, if you're if you're gonna buy, sell, or hold, it's almost a hold for me because it's really not all that different from what he was doing, uh, you know, in Denver uh, with Melvin Gordon here, because Gordon, I mean, he had his injuries, but when he was healthy, he was still really the guy. And, and Lindsay was a, uh, you know, a secondary option for a lot of that, except, you know, except those for those slight runs here. Um, yeah. He, he can go on, on, on a two, three game run at any point during the season, but it's a tough guy to rely on week in and week out, which is, I guess what you're getting to when you get to the tier of, you know, ADP 150. So fair enough, but uh, that's an even hold, if anything, for me. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not going out of my way to get him. Chances are at around 150 in a draft, I'm, I'm going to start taking chances on rookies that might overtake or win a job. Yeah, I think so. And at least the way I've constructed rosters from a best ball perspective thus far, I'm getting the running backs out of the way early so I don't have to dabble in this situation too much. I think there's a lot of wide receivers late that you can make a case, especially rookie guys or second year players that can make a jump or a leap. And it's hard to say, yeah, Philip Lindsay for sure is going to make a leap because you're dependent on X player getting hurt or anything else like that. Uh, and that's too often the prevailing issue with the running backs, at least from what I've seen, this is no different than it has been in past years, but keep that in mind when you're having different draft strategies entering the season, um, this is kind of the, the situation we're looking at where uh, Philip Lindsay is your running back 51. Uh, and you, you need to have more than 50 running backs drafted throughout a, a, a given time because you're normally, most teams are having five, six, seven running backs in the roster if you're playing in a 12 team format. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one to monitor. And another name that kind of fits into that mold, I think is James Connor, 
who may or not may not be still dealing with that toe injury that he had with the Steelers. He moves over to the Cardinals mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of curtailed uh, Edmonds is Edmonds value as well, too, which was kind of a double edged sword. So Connor now becomes the obvious guy, red zone situation player guy that's going to get you two yards and not much else, right? The Ryan Grants of the running backs out there. And I think Edmonds now, Chase Edmonds, becomes more the pass catcher role, which to be fair, he flourished with at times with Kenyon Drake last season. So are you at all excited about James Conner's prospects? He's running back 40 right now, so a little bit earlier than Philip Lindsay yeah. by a round or two. And I'm not quite sure I see the difference in value uh, to the, what the drafters do. So when I was making the outline here, I kind of took, yeah, I skimmed the depth charts to see who all changed, try to make sure I didn't miss anyone. And then I kind of wrote them down in order of how impactful I thought they were. And uh, I actually had Lindsay ahead of Connor. And then when I look back and added the ADP numbers in later to the show, to the show notes here, um, I was surprised to see that Connor was getting drafted significantly higher. Um, you have a timeshare at best with a guy who is injured. So yeah, maybe he, best case scenario, he comes in and uh, can get some goal line carries and good for him. But I don't see him catching a ton of passes. I'm a little bit worried about the injury. He has had a handful of injuries here. And I mean, I know he's got Kyler Murray. It would be an upgrade at quarterback, but I'm not necessarily sure the offense is that much of an upgrade. I mean, and then his last couple of years, you know, he just, 116 carries for 464 yards, 169 carries, 721 yards, has never played a full 16 games in his career here, has never even played a full 15 games in his career. So I was less excited about that here, and I think of him in a similar view as Lindsay. So I guess based on that, I'm, I'm probably not going to be taking him at his price of 108 overall. That seems, like, uh, that seems like quite a bit for me. I like him in the best ball format where he can get the possible two-touchdown game or the four catches for 40 yards on top of, you know, six carries or I guess 16 carries for 60, right? Like a guaranteed 12 to 15 points. But I don't think you're going to know if you're starting in a redraft league when those times are going to occur. And I don't think if Edmonds were to get hurt, you're going to be like, all right, I can guarantee plug Connor into my lineup. I don't think it works that way with what we've seen in Connor the past two years. Maybe if he's more healthy, I don't know. The Phoenix Suns have a great uh, rehabilitation from an injury perspective maybe the cardinals can get some of those guys and make connor this all-world stud if i, hey, I have nobody no Giannis though if you're going to mention the suns we got to mention Giannis <laughs> coming back from just completely blowing out his knee to in the 20 pieces according to every twitter doctor to uh throwing down and getting game winners here i have i have game six in the brain and i cannot help but i know you do too I know uh, we're Bucks have a there. chance to end that 50 year uh championship drought so i, I i'm just thinking about that but just I have no idea. If if you could tell me Connor is completely healthy, can be that guy that we saw from the Steelers, what, two years ago now? Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more interested in him as a three-down back and would make sense for his ADP. But at this current price, I would almost rather have Lindsey, much like you. So let's move over to the like, honorable mention guys that you had. Jamal Williams moving from the Packers to the Lions. He's running back 44 right now, which feels incredibly yeah. aggressive to me for what I know Jamal Williams to be as a player. Uh, and then there's also Malcolm Brown, who I think actually has a reasonable chance to do and be a difference maker mm-hmm. for the Dolphins. He's running back 76. I think there's a drastic difference between what people perceive Jamal Williams to be from a talent perspective. And we saw it in that Texans game last year when Aaron Jones was gone. I don't think Jamal Williams is by any stretch of the imagination a three-down guy, can be explosive in any way. He's an energy guy. I love the hype that he gives and from a for a Lions team that's trying not to be the worst in the NFL. Great to have those leadership dudes around, but he he does not matter for me at all from fantasy. And I think yeah. if the Lions are smart and want to win games, 
DeAndre Swift is touching the ball a ton more than mm-hmm. Williams. Yeah, he's to me he's nothing more than like a secondary option if you have Swift and you got to get your guy later on to, to to back him up. We're not we're not allowed to say the H word anymore. Um, let's see here, but but yeah, I, I just I was surprised to see him that high in ADP. Um, the team's bad. The the team's terrible. The offensive line is much much worse you said one of the worst teams in the league and uh i don't know he could be one bad concussion away from another long absence True. because we saw him mm-hmm. happen to we saw that happen to him in green bay here so he would to me he's a guy you pick up when you're on a really bad bye week situation and you need to get like four or five points in your flex just to have someone in there that's how i think of him and obviously that's way far off from where his adp is at so um you know it's going to be a fade for me at least early on and I, I'd tease Malcolm Brown as well too. What, what's your thoughts on him, real quick? I still like Gaskin to win that job. So again, I, I put him, you know, I, I put him closer to the, to the Lindsey um, Connor tier than, than than most people do, but uh, not not crazy excited about him. That's fair. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Malcolm Brown, when you're drafting in the best ball formats, you can get him like rounds twenty and later, and that mm-hmm. makes sense to me because if Gaffin were get hurt. I think he's the next guy up. I don't know how valuable that role is with Tua and the rest of the Dolphins, but I think that's what probably happens, even though Salvin Ahmed did great things last year in that capacity. So fine, I'm I'm willing to take that risk much in the same way that I would do with like Samaj P. Ryan with the Bengals, but nobody's ever excited to draft Samaj P. Ryan. And I think the same could be said for Malcolm mm-hmm. Brown too with the Dolphins. So let's move over to the pass catchers. We've, we've spent plenty of time on you know the Rams and the quarterbacks and everything else. There was actually some bigger names that happened here. But before we do that, let's get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. Experience the fun and fantasy football. Experience the fun of fantasy football and the strategy of running an NFL franchise at DynastyOwner.com. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and the business side of owning an NFL franchise. Build a roster of NFL players using their real-world contracts and salaries while staying under the salary cap and competing weekly against other teams in your league as you score points based on the player's real-world performance. Visit DynastyOwner.com today to sign up. I'm actually in the Dynasty Owner League right now. We actually, myself and Jerry Donabedian, uh, are in the league together, one, like the experts league of it. It's been fun so far. I actually won the consolation round, which... Uh, was pretty huge for off offseason purposes, and we had our dynasty league draft too. It prioritizes the quarterbacks a little bit more than you'd think, the rookie quarterbacks, because you don't want to have a thirty million dollar Matthew Stafford taking up uh, one sixth of your budget. So you get those rookie quarterbacks, and ends up being relatively value. I hate Mac Jones, but I end up having to draft him in the late first round. So uh, do with that what you with the dynasty owner stuff, but proud sponsors of them uh, and helping out our podcast stuff. So let's move over to those pass catchers. We mentioned Julio Jones earlier in the podcast. Uh, he was traded to the Titans. Falcons cash trapped, moved him over. Uh, it, Tannehill obviously, I think, gets the bigger bump with Julio Jones around. But AJ Brown, you have uh, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, um, and I think Anthony Ferkshire is going to be a pretty good player too. But Julio Jones kind of steps into a massive role because they don't have a lot of weapons, especially after losing both Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis. So, w- what's your read on Julio Jones? The market has him at wide receiver seventeen, ADP forty five. At the moment, yeah, I mean, there's nothing crazy about thinking that Julio Jones and AJ Brown cannot succeed together. Julio Jones, I mean, even Ridley as recently, he seems to always kind of have that sidekick. Two guys that uh, that are very good. I like, I like the buy low here, and um, I feel 
in my gut, it's something similar to last year when we did that first year dynasty draft and people were discounting Stefan Diggs after moving to the Bills and because, oh, John Brown was there and all of that. It feels a little bit similar to, to me there. And uh, for that reason, I think I'm going to get a little Julio this year when I wasn't, I wasn't getting Julio when he was wide receiver five, wide receiver six. But how much different are we really, what, what, how much different of a player are we getting at wide receiver 17? Remember, they lost Corey Davis here. So, you know, it's an easy one to, uh, to punch. And, I don't think Tannehill's really that much worse than Matt Ryan, if at all. And then uh, the Titans have a bottom half defense. I would presume they were fourth worst last year in yards allowed per game. So they will, uh, of course, when they're ahead, Henry's going to run the ball a ton. And in the fourth quarter, even when it's close, Henry's going to run the ball a ton. But I think there's going to be plenty of targets to go around. So really, the fact that it's probably a run-first offense and that A.J. Brown is probably number one, Hurts him a little bit, but I don't know. I went into last year basically thinking Ridley was number one and, and Jones was number two. And, you know, Jones still showed signs. He was productive fantasy-wise. And now I think the price is finally right where I'll get a little bit. Not a lot of great history when it comes to 32-plus-year-old wide receivers, uh, especially coming off the injury issues that Julio Jones had, missing seven games last year. Um, I, I don't know if that changes with the Titans. Obviously, that offense revolves around Derrick Henry. Um, but anything that comes with... Derrick Henry means play action. And I think AJ Brown gets to benefit from that. And Julio Jones does too. I think this helped Brown. Mm -hmm. This helps Brown more as the intermediate threat. I think almost Brown could take the Corey Davis role and Julio Jones go deep, but Tannehill throws a pretty good deep ball. So that, that still works out just fine for me. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. You might be buying low a little bit right now with Julio Jones. I guess I like a lot of other wide receivers around that range. Not to say I wouldn't draft yeah. Julio Jones. I just like other guys that end up being there. Um, but it might be one of those situations where I play enough leagues and I do that you just want to diversify your shares of players. And then Julio Jones could be that perfect guy. So yeah. And not uh, that I'm worried about AJ Brown's knees necessarily, but he did have surgery on both his knees in January. So, you know, there's that. And I don't know if that affects Jones too much, but you know, I'm, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. And then lastly, if you're the opposing defense, we're going to double cover, you know, between those two, you try to single cover Julio, I'm sure with your second guy. And, and there's going to be opportunities to take advantage there. Agreed. Uh, let's go to Kenny Galladay. I think, one of the bigger like stock down guys that you could possibly find from major off season, off season moves. So he goes from Matthew Stafford, pretty good quarterback to Daniel Jones, who is not a good quarterback, despite what Chris list might say uh, you have an offense that was entirely dependent on him in Detroit to a giants offense that has a lot of pass catchers uh, and even added more in like the, the realms of Kadarius Tony and then also Kyle Rudolph too. Uh, and then you have Saquon Barkley back that should be relatively healthy. I think this is an awful spot for him. Um, he got paid, which is great for him. Like Kenny Galladay, the, the person, awesome work. From a fantasy perspective, I love him quite a bit. And I don't know where he really fits into this. And I think especially joining a new team, one that's kind of in a weird spot with their quarterback, this is not good news for his fantasy prospects. Yeah, all the way down to wide receiver 25. So I think the markets reacted almost appropriately to this from someone who was basically a consensus top 10 guy last year, you know, or at least at the edge of that, the receiver pools, you know, it's pretty loaded, of course. But, uh, but no, I, I agree with everything you said. Stafford to Jones, I would say is a downgrade and it's not super close there. Uh, there's plenty of other competition out there, and uh, I think we uh, – I don't really have much else to say on that. Uh, pretty clear downgrade for Galladay fantasy-wise. Will Fuller is another name that I think a lot of people are – are uh, like, people will say he's a sleeper, but he's been talked about so much to me that he's not a sleeper anymore. I, I think we're all pretty aware of what Will Fuller could do in this offense, and a lot depends on Tua Tagovailoa and what he does 
and, and his development from year one to year two, because he was not a good quarterback whatsoever uh, in, in his rookie season. And I'm not sure he's going to make that step, but the Dolphins have really invested a lot in making Tua a better quarterback. Will Fuller being an example, Jalen Waddle being the other. I, I really like Jalen Waddle, and I think that Alabama connection cannot be overstated enough. But Will Fuller is a talented wide receiver in his own right. Um, we saw, I know he had the PED suspension, so maybe we could take a little bit less from his numbers, but he's able to be a little bit more healthy uh, and could do everything, whether it be the deep threat, underneath route, across the middle. That was the first emergence of Will Fuller as the wide receiver for the Texans last season that I think a lot of people thought he could be when he was drafted out of Notre Dame. Um, where are you with his move to Miami? Yeah, I'm a little terrified going from Watson to a second-year quarterback that largely unknown. I mean, maybe Tua can can I? I mean, really, there's only only up to go from here, right? And and he could possibly get it together. But I'd be very wary to pay a top hundred pick on someone like Fuller. Um, like he's always been a best ball guy, right? You have him in your lineups for his really good weeks. Then you know if you if you can stomach his uh, thirty point weeks, you better be able to stomach his uh, his six point weeks uh, or, or zero point weeks even. Right. And he will miss the first game of the year too. I'll note that as well. So no, I'm not crazy high on that. And I think uh, it's a definitely stock down now. He's betting on himself with that one year deal. He'll be plenty motivated, and uh, you know who knows? Maybe the, the Dolphins will win a few more games than uh, I, were ex- I was expecting. I mean, they were almost five hundred last year. So I, I guess that there are some pieces there, but um, I don't know. For the most part, it's it's going to be a stock down for me. Would you rather have Curtis Samuel, who moved from Carolina to Washington? Samuel is wide receiver thirty nine. Will Fuller is wide receiver thirty eight. Like that's that's a kind of an interesting debate. Now Samuel mm-hmm. missed all of minicamp due to a groin injury that was dated back to June. So like that's a little bit troubling to me. Although we haven't heard much of an update if t- if he's healthy for training camp or not. Um, I think the Fitzpatrick addition will help things for Curtis Samuel not hurt from Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina to Ryan Fitzpatrick now in Washington. I think I'm talking myself into Curtis Samuel higher than Will Fuller right now. Mm-hmm. I guess I have to check where I have my rankings. But where do you have him? Yeah, you know, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'd go Samuel over Fuller too. But I think it's mostly because of the kind of teams I like to draft and the kind of uh, fantasy football player that I am. I would rather take nine to eleven PPR points from Curtis Samuel a week than have to deal with the variance that is Will Fuller that you'll have to deal with. And uh, of course, hopefully Samuel's ready for Week One. Um, he's used. I don't know if they'll use him the same way uh, in Washington because they have. You know, uh, they have a solid and deep running back group, especially in terms of pass catchers. So I don't know if we get the same amount of carries, but just because we've seen it before, we've seen his versatility. Um, you know, we can see him on screen passes, we can see him on short routes, and we can see him, you know, may- maybe break through, find the seam every once in a while. So um, I would think I like the touches and consistency of Samuel, maybe a little bit more. But again, it's a real tight one because you know the, their ADPs are right next to each other, thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Yeah, actually, I have Samuel pretty highly ranked in mine. So it's Galladay. Uh, well, it's, sorry, it's Jerry Judy, Samuel, Robert Woods, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, and Mike Gallup, all within like seven spots of each other. Um, I, I think each one of those guys makes a lot of sense, but I like Samuel more than just about all of them. I guess in hindsight, maybe I'll bump up Robert Woods a little bit more 
Uh, now with the news of Cam Akers being done, so I think yeah. the offense, like you Everybody mentioned, sleeps on Woods every year anyway. He's a great fantasy player to have. Right, right. Well, I, I just think he's going to be he's going to be used a little bit more in that capacity. Like I can see a more defined role now that Cam Akers is out. But it just goes to show, I, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be a fantastic option uh, this year. I really, really like uh, his move to Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback. So we'll go to two other names. Uh, well, I guess a couple more. Corey we Davis. Quick. We can do them quick. There are a bunch of wide receivers that change teams. We can just do quick upgrade, okay. downgrade with a sentence maybe. Yeah, Corey Davis. Uh, Titans, obviously not going to the Jets. I think it's a massive downgrade uh, because the Jets have a lot of guys. And Zach Wilson, who I'm not completely sure is a great quarterback, and are in a completely defunct situation, which is the Jets right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Am I am I over exaggerating this? No, I mean I've always believed in Corey Davis as an athlete since I watched him play the Badgers in the in the Western Michigan bowl game all those years ago. Um, but anybody going to the Jets from anywhere is is just the downgrade. As is you have a complete wild card at quarterback. Um, you know, even if he is the number one guy, I I, I don't like the situation. So it's a downgrade for me. Nelson Aguilar moving for the Raiders to the Patriots, one of the major offseason additions that the Patriots made pretty early on. Obviously, it became apparent they overpaid for Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Um, but money being what it is, I think Aguilar is now like the top option for the Patriots, pushing out Jacoby Meyer, who is a great free agent pickup that we mentioned multiple occasions last year. I, I don't know. I, their market has some at water receiver 62. From the leagues that I've done, I think that's actually conservative. I've, I've seen them draft way higher. Uh, I've had our very own NFL editor, Mike Doria, on numerous occasions try to trade for Nelson Aguilar and give me like absolute mm-hmm. crap for him. I'm, I'm, I don't devalue Aguilar to that extent, but I really don't think Cam Newton is a NFL quarterback at, at this juncture of his career. And I think that hurts just about every pass catcher in New England at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you too. And I think this might be one of our, our spicier ones because a lot of people would say upgrade for Aguilar given where he is on the depth chart. But I'm going I'm to call this one a downgrade as well. He had a he could fly in under the radar with Vegas, right? And he's not necessarily going to be able to do that anymore with what the Patriots paid him. You know, Myers and Bourne are still around. The run game's still there. James White gets targets. And the tight end combo, we'll talk about them. I don't want to, you know, spoil the, the finale, I guess. But <laughs> the tight end combo is going to get targets too. So, and then but like you said, uh, you know we're in agreement here. The biggest down factor there is Cam Newton. Can he really be an NFL quarterback that's going to throw for you know even 3,500 yards anymore? And I'm not quite sure that's the case. Sliding into that Aguilar spot is John Brown, who moves over from the Bills to the Raiders. You listed him as a downgrade. I actually think John Brown is going to do relatively well. Now we have to see if he's healthy or not. But it's Henry Ruggs, and then it's say- Brian Edwards. But then it's John Brown. I mean, that, that's yeah. kind of it. And Darren Waller, of course, from the pass catchers. I think Brown kind of seamlessly fits into that Aguilar role, which could be 80 catches and close to 1,000 yards. And I'll gladly take that as wide receiver 67. Yeah, I just I just feel like uh, Ruggs is, is their deep guy here. And um, and Well, Aguilar wasn't the deep guy last year, and, and he ended mm-hmm. up being a pretty solid fancy guy. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. I feel like Ruggs just does the same, does similar things to Brown, and he does them a little bit better here. And I don't know how many deep shots they're actually going to take to begin with. And I feel like most of those That's have fair. to go to Ruggs. They got Ruggs. He's number one. Waller is definitely number two when it comes to the pass catchers there. And then there's, I mean, the there's there's some uncertainty here after he only played nine games last year, and you know. He's, he's bounced around the league a lot. A lot of player or a lot of organizations were ready to let him go. You said 31 years old with the history of those guys changing teams here. I just think because of his career trajectory and the circumstances and, and other people on the depth chart around him that it is still a slight downgrade. And at 186, that's borderline undrafted in, in some 12-team leagues. 
That's fair. Uh, two other guys to mention, Sammy Watkins moving from the Chiefs to the Ravens. Uh, Watkins is listening at wide receiver 79 right now. I think I'm not even ever touching him. I, I'm like, I know there's those 30, 30 round best balls and I've done a few. Uh, and I'm never thinking, man, I can't wait to get Sammy Watkins in round 24. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to be changing my my course of action better than that. Mm-hmm. But I think he's – maybe he's not done. I think he's got to go to the right situation. But the right situation is not Baltimore, in my opinion. What about you? Yeah, I think I kept him in our 16-team, 20-man roster league uh, just to see what happens, and he'll be one of my first roster casualties if not. But that's only because the sixth round of the rookie free agent or seventh round of the rookie free agent draft, there's absolutely nothing out there anyway. So um, so he's around there, but uh, I put question marks. I don't really know. You don't want to be the second option on a team that does wants nothing to do with passing. Right. And then my boy, Tyrell Williams. I, I think what's going to end up happening is – you are going to hear Tyrell Williams mentioned more on these airwaves than you have ever mentioned or heard at, at any point it, in Tyrell Williams' entire career. And it won't be because career. of me. <laughs> <And it won't> be <laughs> I think he's going to be great. I really do. I think he could do a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. He's not just the deep ball guy, but if the Lions do want to do deep ball stuff, you're throwing it to Perriman, not Williams. And while I think DeAndre Swift and, and TJ Hawkinson will get a lot of targets, there's got to be a third option. Give me Tyrell I mean, Williams. I have him ranked in like the 170, 180 range, and he's currently being drafted uh, in the ADP of 260 and wide receiver 85. Yeah. I got some Badger bias. I think the Quintez Cifa show might start pretty soon here. We'll see. But uh, I, I'll give you this, Joe. I will say upgrade um, just because their their whole wide receiving core it got flushed out this offseason. And, and there are some there's some names there. There's some names. I'll give you that. But beyond that, uh, there's not much else. So I don't like much about the circumstances, but he seems to be the guy number one on the depth chart. So upgrade based on that alone. Let's talk about the two quarter or sorry, two quarterbacks. The two tight ends that the Patriots acquired, Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. Um, we've talked about well, like a lot of people have talked about Hunter Henry as the guy because he got more money. But Mario pointed out on Twitter today that John U's contract is the third most guaranteed money among tight ends. I think John U. Smith is gonna be more of the pass catcher, uh, whereas Hunter Henry is the blocker. Henry can do both, but I think mm-hmm. uh John U. Smith is the one that I'll be drafting as tight end sixteen as opposed to Henry at tight end fourteen. Although I think that's kind of changed. I think the market has slowly pushed more to Jonu Smith. There was something about the schedule, though, that I wanted to, to mention with the Patriots that theoretically uh, the Jonu Smith and the Patriots are going to be like their bye week is right when you would be anticipating the fantasy playoffs would start in your league because now the, the week Ooh. 18 change has made things. So keep that in mind. You're not drafting Jonu Smith at tight end 16 to be your number one starter. But those bye weeks are going to have to be something to be you're bouncing around with, and that's one of those guys that you have to at least monitor. Yeah, I mean, if we say if I if I'm going to stand on that, Aguilar is a downgrade hill because of uh, the situation here, the Cam Newton quarterback situation. I guess I have to say downgrade for these guys, and ADP is certainly reflecting that. But at the same time, if I absolutely punt tight ends and have to wait until 126, 134 to grab a guy. I wouldn't be devastated if I came out with one of these guys um, just because I'm believers in their ability. I mean, Hunter Henry had to deal with, uh, you know, Terod Taylor and then a rookie quarterback. He's had to deal with all sorts of quarterbacks over the course of his career. John That's Smith, not a bad thing. Justin Herbert was amazing. This yeah, is the yeah, Chargers yeah, guy I was talking say, to. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. And then John Smith, uh, you know, can be a good red zone guy. So, again, once you're, once you're in the tight end 14 to 16 range, yeah. To get anybody borderline reliable is there, and at least you know both of these guys have been top six or seven tight ends in the past, so it's there. I don't, I don't feel great about it, but uh, 
I'll, I'll have some shares, I guess. You know, I, I'm, I'm as neutral as it can be on these guys. It's definitely downgrade. If you know, if we talk from last year yeah. or from several years ago, you know, I got I got to say downgrade here. But at their price right now, it's uh, it's kind of take it or leave it. I wouldn't I wouldn't be scared off by these guys at their price. I'd do it. I'd feel okay about it, and you know, we just move on. Yeah, it. I'm taking Anthony Ferkser now, the starting tight end for the Titans, over both of those guys. I might even take Adam Troutman. Uh, possibly a starter for the Saints if you told me Jameis Winston's going to be the quarterback. Although I think reports are that it might not be Jameis Winston at quarterback, which then I'm all out on the Saints altogether. But after that, I, I'd consider Johnny Smith uh, would be the first over Hunter Henry for me. But then there's also like a guy like Jared Cook who is now filling in the role of starting tight end for the Chargers. Um, I think Cook is going to be a guy that gets drafted a little bit higher as we progress throughout the season. But he's not going to be anyone that gets more than 600, 700 yards. I think the bigger bump with Henry gone is going to be more Mike Williams and maybe more uh, Tyron Johnson if he ends up beating out Jalen Guyton. I think he should. Mm -hmm. That offense is going to look a lot different for the Chargers, and I don't think Cook really makes much of a factor. But he's one of those other guys. And then there's also Kyle Rudolph going from the Vikings to the Giants. The Giants also signed Kelvin Benjamin, who is mysteriously projected <laughs> for like 30 catches. His uh, I, I think, he's coming back as a tight end, right? Yeah, I think Liss is sipping the Giants' Kool-Aid uh, with that one a little bit because I don't think Benjamin makes the roster, much less gets 30 catches this season. But hey, good for him. Uh, Rudolph, I think, could be interesting if the Giants move Evan Ingram, and there's been a lot of talk about that happening this offseason. Um, but even still, he's being drafted outside the top 500. That feels about right to me. You're playing in a really deep league if you're ever considering Kyle Rudolph to be in your starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's just a waiver wire ad for when Evan Ingram inevitably gets injured, right? I mean, that's what it is at this point. And Ingram, really, it's affected Ingram's ADP more than anything. He's all the way down at 15. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that does it for us. Our first edition of the Tuesday podcast, maybe a little bit longer. But again, we're trying to get you guys, listeners, ready uh, and prepared for the NFL season. We're going to continue to do that. We've talked strategy in past years, uh, maybe gone over guys that we like or dislike more than others. Just try to give you a different element than all the other great hosts and shows that happen throughout the year. But we are now going to be set. RotoWire is having podcasts for NFL every single day up until what uh, it feels like the playoffs, like the first round of playoffs, even later than that. We've mm -hmm. got the DFS guys on Fridays. They're going to be coming back, giving you some strategy talk. Mario and John have been with you every Thursday doing great work. And then Jeff and his uh, roulette of guests is always one of my favorite things to do too on Wednesdays. And then you have Chris and Jeff too on, on Monday as well. That's that's a different cup of tea that you can have to be excited about too. So yeah, it was great you to do this, Jake, wrong, and I'm guys. happy to do this for the rest of the year. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. Uh <laughs> Thank you to the the handful of viewers stuck around with our with our mugs for the uh, for the last hour and and hopefully this is helpful and uh, we're always down to hear show ideas you know if you want to hear something that might be helpful for a draft kids show anything like that uh, hit us both up on Twitter he's JV's JV's Fantasy Sports I'm Roto Jake I think it should be on the broadcast but either way well, I don't know we're learning this is uh, this is week one of the video and I'm happy to do it with you Joe. Yeah, me too. Uh, and of course, make sure to rate and review the podcast if you can. We have the Draft Kick Draft Draft Kit app out as well right now. You can get that uh, by going to rotowire.com/try. Ten days free trial. You can see all that stuff. Some of our software as well included in that. It's below on the video too if you're watching on YouTube right now. Uh, yeah, and and you'll have to be mindful of both of us. Again, game six right now. I imagine there's going to be a lot of Bucks tweeting that are going on. I was just going to say, all right, Joe, we're wrapping it up. Go Bucks, right? <laughs> right, go Bucks. And I'm sorry if you're going to be following me too. Probably a few tweets of my son uh, as well as we kind of continue on throughout the season. If you hear right me bitch and moan about that, it's going to be happening. I, I can this promise guy. you. This guy right here. All right, cheers, guys. <laughs>
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.